All right, here we go. I want to invite us to stand as we sing and notice what's up here. Do you remember this? Do you remember this? Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. We're going to sing the song together right now. And the choir will help us. Thank you, yeah. Please hold those words in your heart, not only as you hear David as he reads the scripture, but as you hear the message, go ye into all the world. We are the vine, I mean, he is the vine and we are the branches. And what that means is we go out. We go out as we are nurtured here. We go out grounded in this. For you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that was to be yours made careful search and inquiry, inquiring about the person or time that the Spirit of Christ within them indicated when it testified in advance to the sufferings destined for Christ and the subsequent glory. Holy Wisdom, Holy Word. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Isn't it? Do you remember Mr. Rogers? Do you remember the show? And again, he was such an iconic character and... I've got to tell you, I didn't share this at first service, but there were those who would come and say he's just disturbing. I never found him disturbing. Do you remember what he did every time as he was singing the song? He'd come in through the door, right, and he would walk over as he's singing, take off his outer coat and carefully hang it up. He'd take down the sweater, his cardigan sweater, and he'd put it on, button it up. Then he would sit down, he would take off his right shoe, his outdoor shoe, toss it to his left hand, place it down carefully, take off his other shoe, and put on his sneakers, his indoor shoe, all while singing this song. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, a beautiful day in a neighbor. Would you be mine? And it's just phenomenal. And, and, and do you remember about, <laughs> I love these characters, Mr. McFeeny, Feely, 
Mr. McFeely. Do you remember that? My favorite was Lady Aberlin. Anybody else remember any of the other characters on this show? His silence falls over the room. What? The king and the queen. Right. And, and the other favorite of mine was it was always the trolley that took us to a new land. What was remarkable about this show was that Mr. Rogers would go anywhere a child might go and deal with the things that a child might even be afraid of. One of the YouTubes that I watched was him at the doctor and sitting there as she is explaining to him what this thing is on your arm as she puffs it up with this little tube and, and then he, she hands it over to him and says, you try it. And he puffs it up and says, oh, oh, it's getting tight. I mean, these are overwhelming things that we forget about for children. Or getting a shot. Or going to the grocery store. Or being afraid when your parents argue. I mean, theme after theme after theme he would take on. But he wouldn't do it in that kind of jumbled way that Sesame Street and the electric company would, where you've got all these flashy things and this multiple simultaneous stimuli. Mr. Rogers was your neighbor, and he invited you gently and carefully and lovingly into his family room. And the whole show was centered there. Doorbell rings. Someone comes and they talk. He invites them in, and they sit and talk. And isn't that the perfect example of what Jesus meant when he said, love your neighbor as you love yourself? That we invite folks to become a part of the family. That we invite folks in to, to experience the love and the grace that we just experienced with Jason. So let me talk just really briefly about those that live around us. For about the last month and a half, I have driven the various neighborhoods. I've had conversations with a multiple multitude of folks about what's going on in those neighborhoods and even what their fears are. And even over the last year, really tried to get a handle on some of those. And I want to begin our little neighborhood quest by introducing you, if you have not already met him, to Alexi. Alexi lives in the motorhome, sitting right over here. Alexi scared the bejeebers out of some of our preschool families only because there's this motorhome that is always there when they arrive at preschool. And so I took it upon myself to go and figure out who this guy was, you know, ready to ask him to leave, only to find out that Alexi is an incredibly wonderful guy. He is. And he is living in his motorhome because, like we talked about in some of our prayer time, that, that he can't afford to live anywhere else in this area. He was laid off of his job a number of years ago and decided at that point that he wanted to become a personal trainer. And so the reason he's parked there is to have access to the library. And he goes to the library every day as he works toward his certification as a personal trainer. Sometimes you'll see him out on the lawn out here doing Tai Chi. Sometimes you'll see him exercising or stretching. Sometimes you'll see him reading and then trying something. 
When we played Frisbee golf a couple of weeks ago with the youth, they were able to all meet him and greet him. Here's what's going on with Alexi. Alexi now is basically our security at night. Alexi will check the whole church property for us. And he's booted some of our drinking teenagers. Not our drinking teenagers. We don't have any drinking teenagers. Some of the teenagers who love to be right over here up in the woods. And Alexi has chased them out. Alexi goes and he checks on some of the cars that come to spend the night in this parking lot to make sure they're okay or that they're not up to no good. In return, you, through the pastor's discretionary fund, fill his gas tank and his propane tank about once every three weeks. And we have found this relationship of strength and love, and now we're even able to talk church. Alexi is our neighbor, friends, even though he lives in a motorhome against the curb on the street. He is our neighbor, and he gets it. And what we've built is a relationship because of that neighborhood. Won't you be my neighbor? Now I want us to take a little trip out the back entrance to the church that takes us out to Allen Road. And as soon as you get to the end of Allen Road, all you have to do is just a look a little bit to the right and look up. And what you see is a three-story mansion. Didn't always have a three-story mansion on that lot. This has happened in the last five years. Then look one door down. Guess what? Another three-story mansion with a small house behind it. Now go down to the park to the stop sign down at the end of the street. And look just kitty corner across. And you'll see an enormous foundation that is poured that basically goes edge to edge on that property. And it is amazing. I can't wait, I guess, to see the house that goes in there. But take a left and go up the hill from that stop sign a couple blocks and then turn a quick left and you'll see on the corner not one, but two mirror-imaged homes that are huge. Why am I sharing all that with you? I will tell you that there is fear in Allen Road, in that whole area. All the areas to our east to our west and to the north. As people are moving in, tearing down the old 1960s homes and building these border-to-border mansions, asking what is happening to our neighborhood. I think of the Stunkles just down on Allen. I think of the Allemans over here by Christ Church. And what Colleen shared with me after worship, that's not all that's going on in these neighborhoods that is scaring people is many of those houses, even as they exist now, are becoming rooming houses for not the four that code allows, but for seven or eight different, mostly young folks. And those are beginning to take over those neighborhoods as well. There is a very real fear of what's happening And fear is the right word. It's not just anxiety. There's that too. But I wonder, what is it that we can offer to those both coming into those mansions and particularly those who are feeling afraid? 
might we be able to offer this as the backyard for some of these families who are afraid and need to just kind of get away from it? Maybe, maybe they'll come over and play frisbee golf once the course is established or, or play in the gaga pit. We also have this phenomenal playground that is used more and more and more frequently by neighborhood folks. But what is it that we can do, friends, to love these neighbors as we love ourselves? Now I want to turn south and go up the hill. And whether it's Somerset or Horizon View or Hilltop or Horizon Crest, Eagles Mere or any of those other areas up there, there's dramatic change that's going on. And again, anxiety and fear, but the fear comes from two different directions. First is, as I'm sure Lilies can attest, those neighborhoods are changing. The houses are being sold. Dave Michelson, a member of this church, is one of the folks who heads up the neighborhood association up there, and he is now saying that somewhere between 60 and 70 percent, and maybe more, are now folks coming from other countries to live in Somerset. Many of them don't speak English. Many of them are replacing the neighbors that were there for 50 years. And the demographic change is overwhelming. And they're afraid. And they don't know what to do, these longtime residents up on any of these neighborhoods up here, including our neighborhood, Eaglesmere. And, and how do I communicate with these neighbors? Do I risk myself with these neighbors? What, what if they don't speak English? What if I invite them and they don't come? What do I need to be providing for them? I mean, on and on and on. And yet we also have to look at it from the other side of that equation. I want you to imagine yourself moving here from China, not really speaking much English. And you're here because of a job. You're also here because this is one of the top school districts in the nation. And it is one of the faster-growing areas. But you move into a house up on Somerset, and you look around, and there aren't a whole lot of people that look like you. And there certainly aren't a whole lot of people that sound like you. And so what happens often is, is you take your children to school, you go to work, you come home, you pick them up, and you stay secluded. Or one of the other things you do is go for a walk in the neighborhood, hoping beyond hope that maybe somebody will greet you. And yet nobody does. And these two demographics are not clashing, but they're not connecting. They're not connecting because there is fear on both sides. And I wonder what our role might be in creating those bridges between those kinds of neighbors. Maybe it's we offer a Somerset barbecue right here on the property and invite everyone to come. And in the midst of that, they're able to meet each other and begin to form other kinds of relationships. Now let's jump over really quickly to Tyee Middle School or to Eastgate Elementary, even to some extent over to Newport High School, but I want to focus on Tyee really quick. Understanding that you have moved into this neighborhood. Oh, before getting there, let's deal with one other street. It's our closest neighbor over here. It's just beyond the creek. And Amber lives in this first house over here. And 
What's amazing is it's so secluded that hardly anybody knows it's there. And partly that's intentional because it's all duplexes. And it's some low-income duplexes. And yet this neighborhood is filled with young families, children, and youth who attend the schools around them. And yet they don't have the means that maybe some on Somerset would have. And yet, here's what they deal with. And I get these phone calls, as does Wendy, that they appreciate that we have recovery groups in the portable out there. That's not the issue. The issue is there's no bathroom out there. And they try and protect their children from particularly the men who go and urinate out in the back of that portable because they have nowhere else to go. And I mean that literally. And yet that's what they deal with on our property. Or they deal with the fact that there's no really safe sidewalk coming down Newport Way. And so the kids who come, some of the kids who come from Taiyi who don't know the back way on Allen come through that street and jump over the fence over here just to reach the pathway on our property over here in order to get to the library. And often it's terrifying to hear your fence rattle as somebody jumps over it to try and get to that path across the creek. That's what they deal with. But they deal with so much more than that because they go to Taiyi. Do you remember middle school? There aren't very many of us who want to remember middle school. Middle school is one of the toughest times in the life of a child, a youth. And now... Imagine some of the sets of these neighborhoods. Some are wealthy that live up on Somerset, and some of those kids get everything they want. Some are not wealthy, and they live over here, or even some on Allen Road and that, these neighborhoods over here. Do you know that last I heard, 43% of Taiyi Middle School, which, by the way, is considered to be one of the wealthy middle schools. Why? because they don't know about some of the other neighborhoods. And, oh, by the way, its nearest neighbor is a swim and tennis club. Sorry. But it is. And yet 43% of the students who attend Taiyi are on free or reduced lunch. How can that be in Bellevue? And now put yourself in not speaking the language or not understanding their traditions or when all the kids come and start rooting for a team that you have no idea what it is. What is a Seahawk? And they don't necessarily celebrate Christmas. And they don't necessarily celebrate Thanksgiving. And they don't know what these are. And they don't really speak the language very well to understand anything else. And they certainly don't understand why kids are speaking behind their back and laughing. And then let's just throw in one other piece of that equation. That there's a gas line that is seeking to be expanded that goes right by the school and high tension wires that they want to make higher and more powerful that goes basically right over the school. I wonder, friends, what is it that is our role as neighbors in the midst of this? Because we have one, but we have to choose to take it. And there are more of these. I, I, think, <laughs> I, I think of... The, the, the motorhome park, the RV park just behind Outback. 
most of those folks are permanent residents of that motorhome RV park. And we have no relationship with them. I think of the 76 station over there. He's had that station for 32 years. And we're trying to build a relationship where I can send folks to him if they need gas. So think about your neighborhood. Think about what it is. And think about the song that we just sang as our opening hymn. What is it that's going to help us understand and take on the role of being neighbor? Here's your assignment. And there are a couple as I close. Many of you in this service have done this much more readily than maybe some in first service. To look around your neighborhood, and there are others. I I think of the apartments up at Bellevue College. Look around your neighborhood. What are the needs? What are the anxieties? What are the fears? And what is the call of Christ to us to respond to any of those? Look around our neighborhood here. I would tell you, we don't have much of a relationship, and there is still <laughs> there is still anger in this immediate neighborhood for those who have lived here a long time about the fact that we have a cell tower. It's still an agenda item. The onus is on us to go out. It's not just on them to come in. And over the next two weeks, you're going to hear about what it means to be neighbor in the world, World Communion Sunday. And then Robin and I are going to share the message in two weeks and talk about the significance of the neighborhood library and what that can teach us about what it means to be neighbor. Friends, you are an incredible bunch of people. I I mean, I've said it to you before. I have never experienced a church as loving and compassionate as you. And yet look at the fact that we're not growing that much, more in first service than here, partly because we're not inviting people in. And so I'm asking us to not only respond, but to invite so that others can experience what Jason has experienced. And oh, by the way, he just became one of the most intimate neighbors of all of us in his baptism, committing himself to life in this church and us committing to not only him, but his family, as neighbors, as family. Exegete your neighborhood. Pay attention to what's going on there. Do not be afraid of this change. There's nothing you can do about it other than potentially embracing it and becoming what Christ desires us to be right there. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. You be mine. Will you be mine? Will you be my neighbor?